0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Coming up on this edition of the TV Black Box one-on-one podcast, it's Perth Royalty. 37 years together hosting the number one news service in Perth. It's a full 40-minute podcast with Rick Arden and Susanna Carr. Stay tuned.
2: This is TV Blackbox, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry.
1: Hello gorgeous people and welcome to another TV Blackbox one-on-one podcast. I'm Aaron Ryan. I'm joined by two icons in the WA media industry, simply known in Perth as Rick and Sue, Yes, I'm talking Seven News Perth presenters Rick Arden and Susanna Carr, who this month celebrated 37 years reading the news together, a world record, and now it's absolutely official. Rick and Sue, thank you for agreeing to chat to me today. We will get to the Guinness World Records, but first congratulations on 37 years.
0: Thank you. How did it ever happen?
1: So the official Guinness World Records w- was made quite some time ago, but it takes a bit of work to make it official. It's now certified. Sue, so I'll start with you and um, ask if these sort of milestones are significant for you. I mean, 37 years is a world record, obviously not far off the 40. Is there a goal in terms of how long you will serve, or, or don't you read into these milestones too much, but it's a bit of a fun positive side note?
0: It's definitely a fun positive. And I think uh, we both said to each other, let's go for the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> <Do> that
2: <easy. laughs>
0: that's, that's an easy one. But that's certainly the next one that we will go for. And why not, you know, if you're both enjoying it? And, you know, it's a triple positive. If If we're happy, the station's happy and the public are happy, why not keep going? Of course. Look, I I mentioned that
1: the milestone had passed some time ago. It's not an easy thing for the Guinness to to, to call, you know, for you to just call up and say, we've reached the record. There's a lot to go through. Can you tell me about this process and how gorgeous are your mums for scrapbooking? They were quite the historians through the process.
2: (laughs) Well, they were the key to it, Aaron, really, because as Sue will tell you, the Guinness World Record people wanted a lot of detail, including proof that we had done what you know, we have done. So our mums, and civil servants too, have kept every piece of news that's been published and all sorts of things. And so they actually helped the process because we didn't have all that information. You know, good old mums, you know, they had it in the bottom drawer and they produced it for us. <laughs>
0: We stopped collecting that sort of stuff years ago, you know. But they don't. They just cut everything out and stash it away. And and it was quite difficult because the one piece of information that I had uh, was from a magazine called the Western Mail, which has long been defunct. That was Robert Holmes' of court's newspaper. Mm. And it was an article that went to air. Uh, went to air. That was in print the weekend before we started as a newsreading team back in January 1985. And there's a picture, there's the announcement, and there's no date on the page. Oh. So, you know, it was completely useless because it couldn't prove what we were saying. Even though it was there, and there's no, um, there's no record of the Western Mail anymore. Trying to find some details in the library, it's not there. You know, there's just so much stuff that goes missing. And and the other thing that we mentioned this morning too on Sunrise was that. So much was recorded on videotape that got used over and over and over again and so just things just didn't get put away and stored as you'd hope they would and then we moved station a lot of stuff was turfed out and it really became more difficult than we'd ever realized and and you know it's much easier if you've got a record for blowing 100 million bubble gum bubbles than than <laughs> proving you have read the news for 37 years I think the lesson is here: always
1: rely on your mum. So as well, exactly yeah. right.
2: <laughs> and they were too. Ch- they appeared on the news story last night. They did too. <laughs> Which uh, <laughs> we, we I, did not have on the right.
1: Yeah. I, um, Rick, I remember at one point uh, yourself and Sue thought you were the longest serving duo in the world, only to find out that good old Chuck Scarborough and Sue Simmons from NBC in New York were just ahead of you. I mean, Sue subsequently retired, so you guys eventually flew past them, but it must have been a, a funny moment to know that there was a, a Chuck and Sue out there doing a long stint like you guys.
2: It was actually, and I contacted him saying, "Did you know we're about to surpass your record?" And he graciously replied, saying, uh, "I'm not necessarily over enthusiastic about it, but well done."
1: <laughs> and I think at seventy-eight, he's still going. I think. Yes.
0: Yes, I think he's got a much younger reading partner now.
1: So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. He knows
0: what's going to happen here. <laughs>
1: So uh, a lot of people refer to you guys as a television marriage. It certainly has lasted longer than uh, many people's real uh, marriages. Um, like a real marriage, are there things that you work on
0: to keep it you know intact and healthy? I think we're just com- so comfortable with, with each other. It's just easy now. You know, we we know how each other is going to react to things. We preempt things. It's amazing how I know that if I'm about to read a story that I'm not supposed to reading, Rick waits for that. If he hears that intake you
2: know, of your breath. breath <laughs> <laughs> he <laughs>
0: And I think you, you sort of get that sixth sense about about each other. And so you we, we do cover for each other. Not that we make a huge number of mistakes, that I hasten to add, but but certainly we can anticipate what's going on and we sort of cover each other and we just work well together. It's just so
2: easy. Yeah, we're very news orientated too, so it's easy. I mean, when you, you've got the major stories of the day unfolding in front of you and you're comfortable with your partner sitting right there, you know it's gonna be pretty easy.
1: Look, it's time to go right back for a moment for one question each. You um, we'll start with you, Rick. You must have been about eighteen when you started as a cadet journalist at the West Australia. In nineteen seventy eight you joined Channel Seven. As a child were you Yeah. as a child were you always interested in being a journalist and were writing a lot as a kid and this was just a predestined thing for you, or did you actually want to be a I don't know, a football star or a policeman and there was a big event that changed all that?
2: Well, perhaps it was predestined, but I didn't know that. My mum had more of an idea than me. Good old (laughs) mum again. Because I was always good at school, the English literature and English. So I loved writing and creative writing. So I applied for a job at the West Australian, and they told me that there was an intake that year of 10 cadets. There were 400 applicants. And they wrote me a letter saying, sorry, you've just missed out, which I thought is what Ah. they said to me. ninety people who missed out. But two weeks later, I got a phone call saying you were actually 12th uh, two people have decided to do something else. Do you want to squeeze in? I said, yes, please. And took to it like a duck in water. And after 18 months, realised that younger journalists were getting more opportunities in TV than the, um, you know, the long progression in newspapers of getting to the top, covering the major stories. So I applied for each at Channel 7 and very fortunately got a job here.
1: Well, Sue, so I, I don't think it was the same story for you. Um, you started at the ABC. Yeah. Um... Uh, but you, you, uh, at about 22 years old, but before that you had studied architecture. So as you were leaving high school, where did you think your life might take you? And when did all that change?
0: well from about 13 i was always going to be an architect and the nuns at my school always used to joke about how i'd come back and design the buildings free for them nuns mm-hmm. always on the lookout for for someone to help them out in the future Charity, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, the plan nuns. entirely and and it was supported a bit by the dean of architecture in, at uwa who really didn't like women coming to study there he was quite misogynistic so i went through architecture in a different way to get there and then one day i for some i I still to this day don't know why i did it but i looked at an advertisement in the paper advertising for radio announcers at the abc and i used to babysit for a guy called tony evans who was the compare of this day tonight which was the abc's current affairs program and i remember going down to see him and saying what do you think and he said well you know you 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 like debating you good at speech and drama and you've got reasonable knowledge of all sorts of things go for it so i did and that was how i ended up at the abc so the architecture went out the window and, and broadcasting came in, in in just a flash and it was really strange because to change your mind like that without any sort of preconceived ideas of where you were going was really odd but fate built me a kind hand
1: well i, I read that um Two weeks into your job at the ABC, you were covering Cyclone Tracy. You're so obviously yeah. right, right in the deep end. I imagine that that's something like that would make an impact on you. That was your taste for journalism. Was that a never look back moment um, for
0: you? I think it probably was because it was so dramatic. As you know, it was Christmas day and that um, I started work, I think at the very beginning of December. So you're right, it was only a couple of weeks later. and and because I was the newbie, I was the one who drew the shift of working on Christmas Day, so <laughs> that's what happened. It wasn't as easy as you'd imagine, though, because I, I remember being a little bit ugh, dubious about my career at one point. I really was not sure that I was in the right, in the right um, area for my, for my talents. Maybe I should go back to architecture. I just struggled there for a little while. And then I just had one of those aha moments where everything seemed to sort of fall into place. And after that, it just it just became totally enjoyable. And I think because I was, I was the only girl there, there were 18 announcers, I was the only female. Um, women just weren't in broadcasting much at that point. And, and I, I suppose everyone was being very supportive and very helpful. But you do go through those points of self-doubt. And once you get past that, there's no stopping you.
1: Well, Rick, I, I, unless I'm wrong, I believe it was you that sort of uh, coaxed Sue to Channel 7 from the ABC. Was a, a difficult sell? Lots of ushering?
2: No, it wasn't actually me. It was our former weather presenter, Jeff Newman. Oh, Jeff, who, that's he, yeah. He would be a perfect fit. But I'd seen Sue, that we used to have these clear speech awards, and I'd always admired her because she's got this beautiful, mellifluous voice, as you know, and uh, this warmth on the camera, so... When Jeff said, look, I'm trying to get Sue across, I thought, what a great idea.
1: Well, Sue, so when you made that decision to come to Seven, obviously you could not have thought this was going to be continue for you know nearly 40 years. What were your thoughts, think... thoughts at the time, except the offer, <laughs> maybe, maybe do a few offers and see what happens? Or were you potentially hoping that you could still be presenting the news of Perth to the audience 37 years later?
0: I probably had no concept of where it was going to go. And I know that when they asked, when Seven asked me to join them, it, I was at a real crossroads at the ABC because the ABC had gone into a new program called The National. Well, they were about to go into this program called The National that was going to air at 6.30, which was going to be a mix of news and current affairs, and I really thought it was quite ill-fated. And I, although I was supposed to be one of the, the hosts of it, I didn't really believe in it. And when Seven asked me to come over it just seemed to make all the right sense i had been at the abc for 10 years it was time for a move time to do something more challenging and uh, I, I think i made oh, i know i made the right decision in so many ways because the national only lasted i think a year and then fell apart and uh, and i was on my path here and then rick and i read with another newsreader called peter Waltham after a couple of years not the channel nine tried to poach Rick and me. Um, that's ended, a good story. Too. That's a good story. Peter ended up going to nine. We ended up staying here because I remember Rick and I saying to before, "Why would we leave seven? It's so good. We really, we really enjoy working." And and yeah, here we are, all these years later. It did work.
1: <laughs> oh, beautiful! I'm glad you st- I'm glad you went with seven. That's awesome. Um-
0: it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up.
1: As, as a Perth person myself, having grown up watching you guys, there is an element of trust. Um, at one point, it was a decision to select 7 News as my viewing choice. But over time, it has built trust. And now if I want to have a full understanding of a situation, I trust Rick and Sue to give me accurate information on, on what's happening around me. Many people of Perth would be the same. How do you feel about the m- well basically it is the majority of perth selecting yourselves and the team at seven as the most credible news uh source to understand what's happening in the city of perth i mean is it a privilege
2: absolutely i think it's a natural fit that people do watch us because we do strive to give people 100 percent accurate news all the time where people decide for themselves what they want to think about what we presented we don't ever and have never uh, presented anything that is not 100% true that we know of, of course. So, uh, you yeah, know, all the time, you know, as a journalist, I grew up with the code of ethics and it's like almost the 10 commandments. So, uh, and that's very important. It's not something just to adhere to because you were taught that. It's, it's a case of honesty and decency and credibility and telling people this is what's happened today. We're striving to give you the best news in Perth and we're thanking you at the same time for watching us.
0: And I think with longevity you get credibility too, because you are there to cover the stories. You know, people remember us, but they remember main stories, but they remember us covering them. And so you get that switch-on effect when, when a major story happens and a major story breaks. And so we definitely do get that response from the audience, which we're grateful for. But also, you know, others you look at other stations and the personnel have changed so many times, it's hard to form a connection with people when you know that. They may not be
1: there that long. Look, I know you guys don't, and you haven't done a lot of boasting in your time, but you do have a, I mean, you do have an incredible team around you as well, but there's no doubt that there is the Sue, Sue and Rick effect on the nightly ratings. Why do you think the audience connect with you? Is it longevity, credibility, integrity, community work through telethon, chemistry, or did I just name all of the above? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, hope
0: it, I hope you're right because i mean i hope it is all of those yeah things. and i
2: think you hit the nail on the head there, Aaron. uh Look, we are the community station we have been here longest in western australia as in channel seven you know we've got telephone which is a wonderful community outpouring of generosity and giving uh you know we've got christmas pageants. we've got afl footy that people in western australia love so and we've got the best news team honestly you get investigative reporters like jeff parry and jessica page we we'll go to a media conference, and I'm sure that our politicians are there their shoes and yeah. a bit, uh, yeah. to have something behind, perhaps. Um, but um, you know, all of those factors, I think, combine to uh, give us that good start over the other years.
0: And it's a very dynamic team. The, they give their all. I mean, when something happens here, the number of people who turn up at the station on their days off, on their holidays, to, to pitch in—it's just
1: the contribution that is huge yeah look just one you know this is a pr- pretty light um podcast but just sort of i guess one difficult question rick i want to take you to a difficult moment for you on air and i apologize for doing so but it was significant now there was the passing of of chris mainwaring west coast eagles legend seven sport presenter all round nice guy a mate and colleague of yours as well That on-air moment you had, it's something I remember significantly and was quite impactful. I mean, how was it being on air and going through the emotions you were going through at the time?
2: Oh, very emotional because Chris Maynard was a friend of ours, uh, a workmate of ours. Uh, He was a lovely guy. He'd been struggling a bit so much so that uh, during the week before he died, uh, he was... Uh, reading the sporting news next to us, filling in for the weeknight sporting presenter because he was our weekend sporting presenter. And mm. so this me saying something like, maybe he's okay because he seemed to be uh, struggling a little. But, um, you know, the circumstances behind his, his death were uh, something that uh, were uh, very unfortunate. Um, and uh, I remember I was playing football in Sydney for uh, WAC at the time. And in those days, you didn't receive that many text messages. But I came back uh, to the house I was staying at and I had something like 20 messages. And uh, I couldn't believe it. So uh, at the time, it was very emotional. Uh, Chris was uh, a lovely guy and uh, it was just tragic with that.
1: And and Sue, I just wanted to ask you. We've had some truly heartbreaking stories in Perth. I mean, one that just comes to mind for me was that um, eight-year-old girl, uh, Sophia, that she was raped and murdered in a Canning Vale shopping centre. I so remember that news report. So much sadness and anger filled the people of Perth. I'm just wondering mm-hmm. how you get into that headspace to present a story like that. I mean, we don't have to talk about that particular story, but mm-hmm. um, but, but you have to remain obviously composed and professional. I mean, how do you get into that headspace?
0: Well, the only the only thing that I can say is when you have a story that's as distressing as that, you have to make yourself as familiar with it as possible. Because if you go in unprepared, the emotions just flow. and they often they often do anyway. No matter how many times you prepare yourself for something, your tears can go up in your eyes. And I suppose what I think is that if that's happening to me, it's happening to people at home. So. Mm.
2: Um,
0: you know, not to be afraid of it. I mean, nobody wants a newsreader who's going to over-emote all the time and be, you know, hysterical one minute and weeping the next. But if something gets to you at the core of you, then it's going to get to other people as well. So you're probably sharing the experience.
1: Yeah. Rick, when a a major story breaks, you're often first on the scene and doing live crosses for the 6pm Bulletin. I mean, Sue has as well, of course. They're obviously, there are obviously different days to straight presenting. The stories are often tragic, but do you still, like, I guess, enjoy getting out on the road and being that connection to what's unfolding and then straight to the viewer? Yeah, I love it.
2: Uh, I'm a journalist, trained as a journalist, and I just love getting out on the road. I love it when we get there first. I'm very competitive, as anyone here can tell you too. So, for example, when Claire Smith was about we straight up on the charter plane to Carnarvon. uh, you know, by that night we had. Um, videotape of, uh, of an arrest that we found no one else had found. We had a, you know, a witness to the arrest and, you know, I just love being there. We, we went around another exclusive with uh, a relative of the accused and, um, you know, I actually shot the pictures for our journalist, Joe catanzaro uh, So, you know, I just love all facets of the news gathering, being there, uh, getting there first, getting the information and bringing it back to the people but,
0: Well, Sue, what
2: gets
1: to the front all the time. Well, Sue, a highlight though, in terms of your reporting um, is the Lint Cafe Siege. Now, due to the events unfolding outside the Sydney studio in Martin Place, they had to cut their presenting. um, And for a period of time, the national feed was coming from Perth with yourself on rolling coverage. After 37, oh, 30 years, I guess at the time, Um, was the heart still pounding a little bit um, because of the importance of the presentation and the live events unfolding, or does the 30-plus years of experience at the time just kick into gear and and it's, I suppose, less nerve-wracking?
0: I have to say the adrenaline was absolutely surging through me that night because that that was one of the most astonishing stories. When you do something that's out of the ordinary like that, and particularly if it's live, it's I mean, as tragic as it was, it was an incredibly challenging and intriguing and amazing story to cover and i worked with chris reason and sean berry and um chris was amazed but well, they both were amazing actually but what we were doing was working between the three of us describing I, I could see what they couldn't see and so i was keeping them informed and and it really was something that um i mean, it went for about three hours i think and yeah. It's the sort of thing that a broadcaster dreams of doing in, in many ways. As I said, aside from the tragedy of the situation, the challenge of it is is huge. And it's quite exhilarating to do that. And if you manage to do it reasonably well, you feel very satisfied at the end. It was an astonishing experience.
2: And can I just say too, Aaron, that Sue did it so professionally, so perfectly. The board there couldn't see the pictures that were going to air. So Sue was talking over the top, seeing the pictures. Coming in and going out live on air and helping guide the two reports to what was happening while she was live on air.
1: Yeah, it was extraordinary. I was there watching the, the, the you know the three hours with you on air it was um, wow. What a, what a moment. Um, look, it's easy to ask the most impactful story. Um, you know that you've. Experienced. Um, I mean, nine eleven, Princess Diana. There's probably a you know a handful of stories, but let me ask you instead: the stories that you remembered the most. I mean, perhaps it's the Eagles winning the grand final, or or the Lint Cafe siege, or or something like that. What, what do you remember the most? I
2: think we both say it's well, nine eleven it, uh,
0: because of the drama of the situation and the, the world-changingness of the whole thing too, and the fact that we were all at home and. and what most people don't realize is that um that night our management all of our management were in a, a focal group a focus group and uh, so they, they were in in lockdown oh. they had no phones with them we couldn't contact them we were all at home we'd gone home to our various homes and we were in contact with each other as we realized what was going on because at that point you sort of flicking around the television thinking some sort of a movie was on and it suddenly became obvious what was really happening. And so everybody just charged back into the studio with the full expectation that they would just be there indefinitely, which we were. And it really was astonishing. And I mean, in terms of of numbers of people dying and everything, there are things way more dramatic. But in terms of pictures and never having seen anything like this before, it was... It was world chat.
2: Just being live on air after having seen, you know, the first plane uh going to the first tower then on the way here another plane going in and being on air uh, as the towers are actually crumbling and I'll never forget seeing what they've called the falling now people jumping off the buildings to their deaths rather than being burned alive. But to see those towers crumbling while you're on air live broadcasting is just incredible and unforgettable.
0: And we were only saying the other day, can you imagine what it would have been like if everybody had iPhones then? I mean, we're only talking 20 years ago, but we didn't have iPhones and Androids then. And if everybody hadn't had an iPhone, the amount of vision available would have been huge. Yeah. And as as it is now, there are certain iconic pictures and certain bits of footage that just depict the whole thing. um, So that was probably the the last major event that isn't covered to the degree that things are now because everybody's a cameraman
1: now. Yeah, it was such an extraordinary moment. Um, I, I remember I was actually in bed at the time and my Nana called me up and sort of said, oh, I think something's going on and had switched on the news there. And I just said, I just went to it, Nana, you're actually watching a movie. I, it, did, it just yes. did, didn't look like it. Yeah. No. It was, it was extraordinary. It's
0: incredible, isn't it? in the true sense of the word.
1: Well, let's talk about the Perth market. I mean, Perth is a small city, we're a one newspaper town, Um, we have a significantly leading TV news service, and often we do things differently to the rest of Australia. Obviously, the way we're handling COVID is different. I suppose from a media perspective, but also holistically, why do you think WA is, is so unique?
0: Our isolation, I suppose. I mean, we're the most isolated city in the most isolated country of the world.
2: Yeah, and look, we're blessed to be where we are. We really are, despite the politics of, you know, hard borders. You look around the world, it's it's great traveling, of course, but living there uh is just wonderful. Sure, it's a bit like a goldfish bowl sometimes for us because my, for example my sister comes when she took come of Boston City would occasionally say, Look, you see someone on the news in the streets in Sydney, it doesn't matter because there are so many politicians, actors, singers, famous people in Sydney that none of that's in Bats Ireland. But here it's a little different. But having said that, most people here have that laid-back attitude anyway, so people are friendly.
1: Well, Perth is, a, uh, well, is small, and the media circle, of course, is quite small. You obviously have worked very hard to be number one, and I'm sure you want 7 News and, and 7 itself to be number one ongoing. But then you see someone like, you know, I'm just thinking Monica Cost who was with you for around... Well, more than Mm. 20 years with today tonight. She's now doing a fabulous job um, at nine, presenting the 5 p.m. Bulletin. Is it sort of mixed emotions rooting for someone that was part of the seven team um, for so long and you want to do well, and then also realizing they're they're part of the direct competition? I seem to get in my mind it's probably like the Williams sisters playing, you know. So, you know, there is competition, but there's also, you know, a love for each other.
0: Yeah, well, we do you know too. each other and yeah. particularly when you've worked with someone like we've worked with Mon for so many years mm-hmm. and we, we, I mean, when Mon, when Today Tonight finished and Mon got the job at Channel 10, we were all thrilled for her because yeah. he, he, it was such a waste, her not working. And then when 10 folded as well, uh, well with their Perth yeah. offices and then she got the job at nine, it was like, yes, go for it, yeah. Mon, you know? Drilled. and her husband
2: works in our newsroom too as a chief of staff on weekends too so yeah it's still very much a case of uh, while you're competitive uh, you're also friendly
1: oh it's beautiful Look, a couple of fun questions now let's go to the to, to the bloopers few and far in between you guys have been tremendously lucky in terms of um stuff that go to that go to wear. two that i remember is um once you guys were um you threw to Monica for t- for today tonight, and then nothing happened.
2: camera, robotic camera, and
1: then the camera went all over the place. And I think it was a Australia Day weekend. You you went from the weather, and then it went back to you guys, and then there was a a big pause, and and then you just went, went along. What are your memories of some of the squirmish moments on here?
2: Oh, they're good fun. I think people love them. We, you know, we yeah. actually enjoy them. You know, of course, we would never do anything deliberately like that. But when they happen, you just have a chuckle and, and move on.
0: I remember years ago too when we had our first experience with robotic cameras in the early days of the old Channel Seven. Yes. And I remember one day Dennis was sitting there and the camera came <laughs> into zoom and it just kept coming. <laughs> <him>. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> hit the news Crashed desk.
2: into the news desk. <laughs> oh. This is the thing you get
0: with robotic cameras. I mean, they do. Have a bit of a mind of their own sometimes and the, I mean the news the studio is is much less populated than it used to be we used to have floor managers and cameramen and and things didn't happen in those days but now we're sort of sitting there just with an cue person and everything's done in our ear and you know it's it's much more sort of remote well, let's go
1: to the um, the two items that people have always wondered about newsreaders. So here comes the hard-hitting questions. Rick, oh, man.
0: what do you wear on the bottom half? <laughs> That's
1: the first question. No, I... Rick, do you sometimes have the shorts on underneath?
2: No, never. But when I first started as weekend newsreader, I'd come in a little casually. And I remember one weekend it was summer and I was wearing a pair of red shorts and someone said, the boss is coming. And I thought, oh, no, but funnily enough, he had red shorts on too. So it was okay.
1: I'm pretty sure I, I saw an interview, either uh, Barra or, or Baz ha- have done the shorts Underneath the Desk before, I'm, I'm sure I re- saw that somewhere. But, um, I think
0: so- on weekends and public holidays it can be pretty much open slather.
1: Yeah,
2: we're pretty casual.
1: Well let me try the other one. At, at, at the start of the bulletin there's obviously a voiceover intro and a wide shot and you guys could be seeing having a quick chat before being on air. Every duo news, newsreader to do it. Some people think that the it's fake conversation. What are you guys talking about 5 seconds before you go to air?
2: No, oh, it's real. Boss beware the lip readers. Yeah. So, so it's real. Oh. <laughs>
0: We've learned a few lessons about things recently, as you can imagine, about hot mics and uh, lip readers and all sorts of things. You've got to be pretty careful these days what you say.
2: Yeah, for example, the the lead might be a sad story. We'll actually say this is a really sad story. That sort of thing like that. And away we go to start the bulletin.
1: Yeah. Look, a couple of personal questions, Uh, Sue. What do you like doing in your spare time? And I know you make a great trifle. I copied your recipe from today, <laughs> from today tonight. Once,
0: sort
1: of, hobbies or interests of family? Do you do, do, you do away from, okay, from the? Okay,
0: so yeah, I am a I'm a passionate cook. I read a lot. I ride my bike. I swim regularly. I walk most days, and I love travelling and um, and architecture. And um, I like going to places that are a bit off the beaten track particularly with interesting buildings and and good history. And making great trifles. And I haven't made one for a while. I think I made too many after I did. I made one for the the Christmas message and then today, tonight, and I think we had a little break from them for a while.
2: (laughs) And what about you, Rick? Oh, look, I love travel. I'm very similar to Sue in some ways and different in other ways too. I just love travel. I love getting away, for example, on the weekend. I went to a place I've never been to before and that was low brook dam so uh, I, you know i know a lot of people have been to a lot of these places but uh, i like the deep south too um i love surfing dislocated my shoulder at a place called three bears uh in, uh, in january on uh, a big wave but uh, that's part of it i guess you know I, I i just love surfing i love the almost spiritual experience of being in a remote place sliding down the face of the big wave it's great Uh, So, um, I I also love uh, reading. I I love knowing what's going on around the world. And I love people watching, especially, you know, when I'm away from home and uh, people don't have that recognition factor. Meeting people, uh, you know, I love Italy and France, for example, and I will go and try to speak my limited Italian in a town square with a group of old gents who are waving their hands around and, and just love it.
1: Well, actually, speaking of, like, recognition, so when you do go to Coles and Woolies, do you actually get often... Do you sort of get harassed or just people saying hello, you're doing a great job? Do you, is there a lot of recognition when you go out to, to the shop? It's
0: all of those things. I think if you shop in the same area, you don't get it so much. Um, sometimes you get the odd unusual person who lives in the area who's a bit eccentric, who <laughs> follows you around the market, and accosts you and demands to know about your dog and things like that. And then you get other people who look in your trolley to see what you've bought. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what does which is really come, weird huh? so they can go and tell people what you've bought you know and, you know <laughs> is it healthy is it not is it junk food what is it you know it's quite interesting mostly people are pretty nice though I'd say 95% of people are pretty nice and just the odd one is
2: weird yeah that's exactly right and you look at all sorts of rumors for example I was having a chuckle we were on uh, the news last night with our mums and uh, my daughters were over and then. Uh, The story had been done in the Sunday Times, which translates to Perth Now online, and we're just having a a big chuckle at all the comments. My daughters were uh, cracking out at all the comments uh, on um, on Perth Now, you know, saying things like, you know, or do you think they go home together and uh, all sorts of (laughs) things.
0: And I love the one that said there was one I read somewhere that said. Oh my gosh, the two of them have had so much plastic surgery they melt in front of a flame. And I thought that is so funny because we are we we might be the oldest in the business, but we're probably one of the few people around who's had absolutely zero plastic <laughs> yeah, surgery. Funny. And it's funny that people think we have. We've just got kindly cameras and good
2: makeup yeah, artists. And very good <laughs> <romantic>. lighting.
0: <laughs> you know, I
1: guess some people will think that. It's just that I mean, because you guys have been around for so long and you see it. it both of you each night and so it looks like you haven't changed but i mean if you if you went away for three years and then came back to perth you might you might see change but because we've been seeing both of you for 37 years Mm -hmm. you know people must think you must have had i don't know surgery or something but
0: well not everybody does have plastic surgery, but you know when you look back at how we
2: looked. <laughs> kind of on <laughs> uh, I on sunrise this morning, for example, and I thought, Holy oh. hell, have a look at those clothes and have a look at those hairstyles." I used to use half a can of hairspray as Dennis committee did on my hair, so my hair always looked a bit slick. And uh now it, uh you yeah, know, it's funny because you look back and people say, "Oh, you must be wearing a wig," that sort of thing, which I find hilarious. Yeah. And I had
0: such wide hair at one point that the actual the guys in the control room came to me and said, look, you don't really, really want to say anything much, but can you bring your hair in a little bit? Because the over-the-shoulder pictures are being obliterated by your hair. <laughs> it just got wider and wider and curlier and more ridiculous at one point. So, yeah, we've all had... We've had, but why is it that when you look back on the past, it always looks daggy? But our old pictures look so
1: daggy. You were a fashion icon at the time. At the time, <laughs> it was it was it was fabulous. Look, I know we have to wrap up soon. I just wanted to ask. Um, I don't want to ask specifically about other job offers you you might have received, but I'm going to assume that you've been made some lucrative offers to leave Seven for other projects. What's kept you together and, and staying at Seven?
2: Oh, the knowledge that we're at the right station, for sure. Uh, yeah. The knowledge we're surrounded by a great news team. Uh, the current day knowledge, as we've had in the past, two, that our news director, Ray Cooper, is fantastic. You know, this is the happiest newsroom I've ever seen. And it's always been a pretty happy newsroom. Yeah. But in the last 40 or so years that I've been here, this, you know, it's without doubt, is just the best news everybody. Yeah. is talented and enthusiastic. And we've got this sense of pride of being uh, a team that, that wins. Yeah, why would you want to go anywhere else?
1: Oh, for sure. Um, second last question, um, and it has to be asked. Any any plans to retire or do you still have many more years oh, left? No. And the correct, <laughs> the correct answer is many more years left. Ask us in another
2: 37 years. How's
1: that? Oh, beautiful. And you can try to equal Ch- uh, Chuck Scarborough <laughs> in NBC. <Yeah. laughs>
2: Um, absolutely no, no plans at all uh, you know we're at the top of our game at least we think so so uh hopefully many more years to come
1: 100 percent. um 337 years through COVID, through triumph and tragedy you guys have been a, a stable and steady force for the people of perth um we're with you for five hours a week well, what would you like to say, I mean, an opportunity just to say to the people of Perth, because I, I mean, I, I looked on the um, Mark McGowan's page because he said congratulations. There are over a thousand comments on there of just people. It was just wow. congratulations, congratulations. Yeah, there's, there's almost a thousand comments there and 99% are, are so supportive of you. I mean, I just feel like, you know, giving you a small opportunity just to, to say something yeah. back to the people of Perth.
0: I think we just say... Thank you. It's been and continues to be a great pleasure.
2: Yeah, and uh, I'm sure I speak on behalf of Suits to say that we're very humbled by people watching us for so long. We do try our our very best to bring people, you know, the, the, the best news in person, the whole news, nothing but the news. And, you know, we're the messengers, and it's great that people watch and we hope can say, now I know what's happened today.
1: Yeah. Look, we'll leave it there. Rick and Sue, your absolute royalty and icons of Perth. You've you've steered the public through bushfires, tragedies, elections, sporting highlights, and significant events um, that have shaped our history, and done that whilst being the number one news service in Perth, which is um, in turn has bumped you know the entire network to number one in this town. And I'm I'm sure Kerry Stokes is really happy about that. Um, you don't do too many of these um, podcasts and that sort of thing, so I super appreciate it. Um, and this is. It feels like it's almost celebrating the end it's not i mean this is just a celebration of of the guinness world record um which is fantastic many more years to come which is a comfort to many people in perth who are experiencing so much change at the moment so it's a good steady ship thanks rick and sue thanks aaron Aaron. (laughs) thank you and that was rick arden and susanna carr If you are in WA, you can catch them weeknights on 7 News at 6pm and for those outside WA interested in Perth news, each bulletin is uploaded onto the 7 Plus website. It was a real joy to speak to these guys. As a WA person myself, I have watched Rick and Sue for their entire run and they really are a wonderful team and hold a place in the heart of so many West Australians. No doubt they will get to the 40. It's such a blessing that although the world changes around us, some things stay the same, and you cannot match the experience of what these guys bring to the WA media landscape. Well, that's it for this edition of the TV Black Box one-on-one podcast. You can read all the latest television news, guides, exclusives, streaming options, and the daily ratings at tvblackbox.com.au. Thank you for your company. Until next time, look after yourselves and bye for now.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus,